you're looking crafty. You could make a raft out of pencils and foam. You sure looking happy. Hello. Oh, <laughs> I cut you off. Hello. Hello. I feel like we say hello like those, is it the two ladies on a motorcycle cooking show? Do you remember that show? Uh, no, but I need to reacquaint myself with that. I What? It's on, it, it was on PBS. It was like a lady on a motorcycle and she had a friend in a sidecar and they were always like, hello. And it sounded like Dame Edna when they talked. Yes. So, okay. I mean, I remember Dame Edna for sure, but now I'm going to figure out who these fantastic women were. Okay, I will I will get on that. And also, this might be, I just might have inadvertently discovered a new escape show for me to watch. Yes. I love, because it's a cooking show. Like, yep. they are, every time I watch it, they're making some weird British thing. But, you know, I'm going to get on that now. Okay, anyways, hi, Excellent. welcome to the Stitchcast podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I believe this is episode 41. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we have, we have entered into uh, self-distancing malaise. <laughs> on we uh, the only thing I laugh about is like so many people have recently been like I don't know how to video chat or how do I do that and I'm like I've been doing this most of my adult life since the moment it was available oh Our yeah the minute it was available and like the cameras were garbage and the audio was terrible yes no I was doing it so that's why I'm like oh we've been social distancing I mean by choice in a certain way but you know obviously <laughs> we're social and going out in there but We've been very communicative this way, so mm-hmm. I'm used to it. I, our dad does it, and he does I, not do technology. I mean, of all the people, Carl mm-hmm. is 80 years old. But you know what, today, Island, he gave me a call, and I was taking my depression nap, and he was like, how you doing? And he had so much clarity in his voice. I was like, so I kept saying, like, Dad, you sound really good. Like, he <laughs> must have just got his meds on peak, you know, like, his Parkinson's <laughs> stuff was, like, killing it. And, he, and I was like, Dad, oh, my God, how are you? And he's like, I'm doing great. And I'm like, great. What are you watching? And he's like, well, right now it's Alaska State Troopers. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> great. <laughs> and then and I was like, what else are you watching? He's like, Mythbusters. Like, it was like a throwaway show to him was Mythbusters. And I was like, you know, go ahead, Carl. <laughs> go ahead. But, yes, even our 80-year-old dad FaceTimes us. Usually when I am naked, driving or taking a poop is usually his favorite time to call me. He called me while I was taking a nap and I clearly was fine with taking that call. But um, yes. our family's very into the, into the video, video chat world. Yeah. So yeah, we're lucky for it. So uh, for anybody who has just tuned into us because <laughs> they, um, you know, we're searching around for new podcasts to keep themselves occupied during this time just give you a brief intro. Um, I'm Eileen. I am a psychiatrist and neuroscientist in Iowa. And uh, my name is Miranda. I am a designer, a denim designer specifically. And I work at Target Corporation right now, working on kids clothes. It's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah my sister's real smart. I just make pretty things. Let me just <laughs> put that down in a too long, didn't read. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I also things, or sorry, <laughs> I follow patterns is how I make things. I don't design yes. anything from scratch. But I will say this. The Stitchcraft podcast is about all crafts, it's all true. creativity, and um, it applies to many different facets of your life. It could be creative work. It could be creative work at home, art, at projects. 
So it's pretty cool. So what is in your cup? Well, it's in my can today. Ah. So (laughs) um, I have not. Yeah, it's in my can. Don't worry. I've washed these. Um, Being a little particular now, but I'm having today Fulton Hard Seltzer. So Fulton is a brewery, like a beer brewery here in town. Um, And they started selling hard seltzer because might as well get in on the trend while you can. Um, Follow that. Follow that path. Um, But yeah, this is their hard seltzer in blood orange. And it is delightful. I really like it. Everything. I don't think I I found a blood orange item that I did not think was delicious. Agreed. And I really like, I don't know why it tastes different to me. It probably is, doesn't actually taste different, but I don't care. <laughs> blood orange does do some, I buy blood orange many things. So yeah, um, it's delightful. And I'm trying to think how much, before I spill my can, I brought another can to make sure I could read it carefully. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to look at like what the alcohol content is on this thing. Mm-hmm. It does not say, but it is delicious. So I think most people are usually like 5%. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, I don't, it's not like hitting me like a heavier IPA or, or anything like that. But, um, yeah. Oh, it's, there it is. 5%. You were, Ooh. On, you were on the dot. I guess right. Yeah. So anyways, it's just a nice change of pace from beer or a cocktail. You might get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that is what I'm drinking. What are you drinking? Well, before I get to what I'm drinking, I was going to tell you, um, I have mm. for, uh, I don't know, however long it's been out. For however long White Claw has been a thing, I have had a bad attitude about it. (laughs) (laughs) A terrible attitude about White Claw. And I think it's because the first time, like, I think when it first came out, it was, like, unflavored. And I was like, why? Why? Like, that just sounds, I'm not interested in, I'm not interested in carbonated water that gets you whoops drunk. Like, I don't want to be surprised you know, I, I agree with that. I feel like it has to have a flavor so that I know that I'm drinking something. Cause I drink, I'll drink, you know, um, bubbly water all the time. Yeah, salt water all yeah. the time. So yeah. that's why I'm like, I do kind of want to have a fl- a stronger flavor or even just a hint of alcohol. So I know what the fuck I'm getting into, right. you know, but yeah. And so the first time I didn't even try it cause I, because the people who tried it said, Oh, it just tastes like seltzer. And I was like, well, I would rather just be drinking seltzer. If I'm, cause if I'm thirsty, if I want seltzer, it's because I am thirsty and I want to be refreshed, not in drunkenated. So, um, also so like I didn't my, care for that. my appeal of seltzer is it is something that I like to like come home and have a seltzer or maybe it's at work. I'll like treat myself and have a sparkling water. So the idea of like, let's drink this to get fucked up. It just wasn't in my brain. It yeah. wasn't like, that's not a profile of getting fucked up. Those flavor profiles were like a treat yeah. or something I got home and had. So it was just weird. That, I agree with yeah. you on that. It took me a long and, time to get on it. And then um, probably four or five months ago, Pat and I went out to dinner and they, the place where we went to dinner had white claw on the menu. And Pat was like, I want to try one. And I was like, fine, whatever. And the flavors yeah. they had were, I think, <laughs> I think they had black cherry and something else. And so we had the black cherry and it smelled just like cough syrup. And I was like, I can't, I do not understand this at all. And so fast forward all these months, um, I went to 
the the pharmacy like three days ago because I had to. I, so I've been buying all my groceries from the grocery store, but then um, doing that online and then doing curbside pickup. And so every time that I've done curbside pickup, I have tried to order dishwasher soap and either Lysol or Formula 409. I just want like one bottle of a spray disinfectant. Mm-hmm. And every single time, those are the two items they don't have. I can understand them being out of the Lysol. I do not understand them being out of dishwasher soap, but whatever. Things are, it's a weird time. And so uh, the most recent time that I went to order groceries, I ordered my groceries, I went to pick them up, and sure enough, it was the house cleaning products that they didn't have. And I was like, oh. So I had to go to this little um, pharmacy, liquor store, sort of like emergency shop kind of at the end of my street. And so I walked in and they had everything that I needed. So I like picked up the things I needed. I walked to get in line. And, you know, now the line has um, these tape marks on the ground to keep everybody six feet apart from each other. So I'm waiting for my turn to check out at my little tape mark, which means that I am now standing firmly in the impulse buy section, which I never hang out in. (laughs) And as I'm looking to either side, there is a pallet of white claw. And (laughs) my husband likes white claw. And I was looking at it and I realized that they had a flavor pack that I'd never seen before that included um, mango, tangerine, lemon, and watermelon. And I was like, those actually sound like seltzer flavors I might actually want. And I was like, don't be this person. Don't be this person who during a pandemic has gone to the store to buy house cleaning supplies and white claw. You are a middle-aged white lady buying cleaning supplies and white claw in a national emergency. You cannot be that person. You cannot. But because the people in front of me, like everybody takes longer because they have to clean everything between each person and they're not touching each other's stuff. I stood there for long enough that I caved. So I walked out of that store. And I was like, God damn it. I am a meme now. I I embodied a meme in that moment. I'm trying to like also give myself grace for my pandemic purchases. These are <laughs> pandemic purchases. You need to like, I've never bought seltzer, like alcoholic <laughs> seltzer, but I decided to buy a local made seltzer yeah. because I, but cause I just knew, and I haven't gone to the store in weeks now, two weeks. I haven't gone to the store. Um, really proud of myself. Um, but when I was there, I bought so much alcohol. And the reason I bought the seltzer was because I was like, what if I get sick of beer? What if I get tired of wine? What if I am too like nervous about drinking whiskey? Like, cause I just don't like drinking hard liquor really at home. It's not really something I like doing unless I just, I don't know. I, it, I just it's don't like, yeah. it's not my thing. But, um, I was like, what if I, what if, what if, what if, so what did I do by champagne and some seltzer? So like, I am that person now I'm absolutely, I bought the seltzer. I did not buy the white claw, even though the white claw was a better price. But I decided to buy local made seltzer products because why not? And it was blood orange. It was blood orange and I got the lemon lime too. Yeah. So those are flavors that make sense to me in a seltzer. Can I tell you though, I'm going to be real with you. Last uh, on New Year's Eve, when I went out to party, um, all they had available were tall boys of beer, 
or you could go and wait in line at the bar. And I was like, no way. So they're like, you go to this little pickup window inside the club. They were like beer or, you know, white claw. So I drank a shit ton of those cherry white claws, but you know what? I didn't wake up with a hangover. So it, it, maybe it does taste like cough syrup, but maybe it's like, you know, any other alcohol, you have a couple sips and then you get over it. But that's possibly true. Anyways, it's still like, like the seltzer situation. This is like Zima all over again. Oh my like, gosh. Yes. Minus, minus the excessive amounts of sugar. Yes. Yes. yes less sugar. But like, I guarantee someone out there is putting a Jolly Rancher in these things trying to get them like, <laughs> even more sugary and sweet. Come on. I, it's I still, a sure. it still appeals to young people. That's mm-hmm. half of the part. Like I have a whole lot of feelings about that, but I, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. Anyways. So now that we've talked a lot about seltzer. <laughs> so I'm not um, drinking seltzer. Yeah. <laughs> what do you have? So, uh, I went to, well, I didn't go to Big Grove. My husband went to pick up our, one of our, the local brewery that I talk about all the time had a drive-through pickup window today. Mm. And so they decided they were going to move forward with, yeah, they decided they were going to move forward with all their regular beer releases and you just buy them in advance. So you go on the website, you pick out whatever you want, and then you go to the, their pickup window sometime between their hours and then they're, they basically just, um, you unlock your car and they put it in your car for you. And then they check the number that you say you have or whatever. And then you drive off and it's a no touch handoff. And so the beers that they released today, they released a beer called Double Nod, which is a double IPA version of a previous IPA that they had called Nod, like giving somebody the cool nod. And uh, so I haven't tried that one yet, but that one I'm really excited about because I never had the original nod, but one of my friends who's a serious beer snob said that it was a really good IPA. So he was very excited about the double. The other beer they released today is the first in their coffee shop series. And this is called, um, just called Coffee Oatmeal Stout. So it was- Sounds good. Yeah, so they collaborated with- um, JBC Coffee Roasters, which uh, is a roaster, a sustainable roaster in Milwaukee or Madison. I can't remember which, but it's in Wisconsin, Southern Wisconsin. And um, so JBC um, buys uh, fair trade coffee from farmers and then they roast it in their sustainable roastery. And then they, those people collaborate with Big Grove to make this coffee beer. So what they have on the label says, uh, just says coffee shop series. And it says brewed with coffee from Durambo village in the Democratic Republic of Congo selected in collaboration with JVC coffee roasters. And um, the only other thing it says is that you shouldn't age it because just like a fresh cup of coffee, you don't want to let a coffee shop beer sit around for best results, drink fresh. And I thought, well, what other clue do I need that today's the day to drink it? Today was the day it got released. It was nice on uh, March 23rd. Wow. So I am putting it in my face today. Um, and I really love the art they have on the can. Oh, cute. It's really, really pretty. Yeah, it's Take beautiful. a photo of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I'll take a picture of it. It looks like, um, I don't know, like textiles or like wood carvings. Um, and it's all one color. It's like a forest olivey green color on an ivory background. 
um, with pictures of elephants and trees and giraffes and ostriches and people and plants. It's just, it's, it's lovely. It's a beautiful camp. Yeah. And the concert like, here itself is quite good. I was going to say that in a sense that because breweries are so big here in the U.S. again, um, in the last like 10 years, people have gone so big on local breweries and microbreweries that artwork on cans and bottles is as important as like what's on a wine bottle or, or like on skateboard art, you know, like it's just such a collectible thing now. It's fascinating. Well, I think um, there are definitely beers that have much more simple styling about them, but Mm -hmm. if you're going to be like at a, grocery store or a liquor store or whatever. Um, at this point, everybody else has upped their game so much that the only, I don't even know which places get away with having bottles that don't really have art on them anymore. You either have to have a very, very inexpensive product so that people are buying it for value and not for art. Um, or maybe you have such a um, famous name that you know, people don't care that the art isn't all that great, but for microbreweries and stuff, like everybody's trying to stand out of a crowd now. So. Well, and I see this as a huge opportunity for graphic designers on a local level, because there's just so many breweries that have popped up and there's so many other, like the same with like print shops. I've just seen so many more print shops open up and I really hope this pandemic doesn't flatten that stuff, but it does seem like a, a big opportunity for people before that it, you know, to show up and do really special art. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is cool. Um, So do you have any projects that you want to update on or things that you've been doing? Well, I'm going to give a funny project update. It's called survival. It's really fun. Um, (laughs) Learning my new routine of working from home. It's been two weeks now that we've been working from home and my company will probably be um, planning our, work from home till the end of April, which is pretty significant for a lot of folks. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say I'm trying to learn my routine. I'm trying to learn a routine and that has been really hard. And I've been going through ebbs, ebb and flow. Yeah. I've Mm -hmm. been going through like uh, a little bit of an ebb and flow of like feeling really good, feeling good about like where I am and being at home. And then other times I'm just like spiraling down into like depression naps. So um, (laughs) I am currently doing that I'm hopeful like I'm really hopeful that this week will mellow out because it takes like what three weeks to get a routine or to make something a habit so I'm really hoping that I will this week will kind of lay some stuff down and feel a little better about my time so that I can get back to my projects it's Mm -hmm. weird I just haven't had the time because it takes so much more time to sanitize stuff when I come home it takes longer to um do conference calls because everyone is trying to get on the same page, um, recapping those conference calls and things like that for work. So it's just, it's just learning how to do your job again. It's a lot. Yeah. So that is my current thing. I'm not doing any physical projects yet. Um, but you've been busy. I am so pumped to hear about yours because I am, I'm just impressed. So impressed. Okay. What are you working on? So, Interestingly, I have the same feeling as you as I had this thought like, oh, well, I will just take everything that I was doing in the lab and switch it to doing it at home. And that would leave me with 
lots of time, quite honestly, because I do experiments in the lab and I meet with my lab members and a lot of the stuff that, a lot of the stuff that I have meetings with my lab staff about, um, they can't do those things anymore either. So, you know, if our old meetings used to run a full hour, they aren't doing experiments right now. So they don't have a full hour's worth of stuff to talk to me about. So I really thought like my time was just going to expand drastically. And what I found was that, um, like you said, I had to, I had to learn again how to do my job in a completely different environment and with a completely different set of needs because now I'm basically like doing, you know, I don't want to say like uh, stay at home stuff because it's not really, I'm not like a functioning as a stay at home mom or anything, but I am doing the kinds of things that, um, I used to only have to do like once a week or once every two weeks. Like I'm doing laundry probably every other day because, you know, if I leave the house and interact with other people, all that laundry has to get washed. Um, and it's, so I'm doing that. And then we're washing a lot more dishes because I don't reuse any of my dishes without washing them first. Whereas it used to be, I would like, you know, if I used a plate, I'd be like, I'll just come back and use that plate a second time or I'll, you know, whatever. And now it's like, well, I have to act as though I am a potential infection risk. Like I could potentially infect my husband or he could potentially infect me. And so we both have to do, you know, every single thing must be cleaned. Um, And these are all things that probably some people out there did. But like, if there's one thing that I've learned from this issue, this, this time in our lives is that, uh, I am not as clean as I thought I was. (laughs) I thought I was a fairly clean person. And now I'm looking, I'm like, Oh, I'm supposed to clean. Like you're supposed to like clean off your doorknobs, like on a daily basis. I definitely don't do that. Um, I, there are time. And now, um, because my time is so weird, I can't remember if I did a thing that day. Same. You know, like the, the, the days all kind of meld into each other. And so what ends, what's interesting, though, about all like taking that all in <clears throat> is that I really thought that I knew I would be stressed. And normally when I'm stressed, the only thing that I enjoy working on craft wise is knitting because knitting is so easy for me. So I don't want to crochet during those times because crocheting I have to count a lot and then I don't trust the way that I count so I usually don't count you know count it twice or something I don't sew at all um I will not try to darn things like I won't try to do repairs because none of that soothes me but knitting I find soothing and so I thought like oh well I'm not going to get any of my little repair stuff done because emotionally all I'm going to want to do is knit And interestingly, the opposite has been true. Um, And I think it's because I feel like I'm getting so little done at work that I want to feel, I want to have a project that is started and finished. And knitting is not a thing you start and finish. But repairing a hole, you can start and finish that, you know, in a reasonable amount of time. That's like, even if it's a very complicated process, you can finish that in one night. Um, so I have actually been doing all the repairs that I haven't been doing for, in some cases, I'm repairing a dress right now that I moved here to Iowa 
two and a half years ago. And that dress had already been set aside for at least a year because it has a, it's not such a bad um, hole that you can't wear the dress, but it's a V-neck dress and there's a, the fabric is, has torn where the V comes together. So mm-hmm. it's a repair that you have to kind of make carefully. Otherwise it'll look kind of funny. And I've been so afraid to do it that I haven't done it for close to probably, I'm just going to be honest. It's probably five years. Wow. Um, so you know that what? project I, I just started. I have a friend who, who bought her house in 2009 and she was like, well, some looks like a better time than any to fix that basement and organize it. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I was impressed. you know, I was it, impressed. We, we can all get something good out of this time. It's just a matter of figuring out what it is that is going to work for you. So I did, so I, you and I um, talked a couple episodes ago about the hashtag on Instagram, visible mending. And I love that hashtag. Hilariously, I have only been doing invisible mending. (laughs) Um, One of which was on a sweater that I decided to try to darn invisibly because it's a sweater that I can still wear to work and the holes were small enough. And I had the right color thread that I thought I'll at least try to do it invisibly. And if it all goes to shit, then I do a visible mend and that's fine, right? But the invisible mend worked out really well. Um, Great. And it's a heathered gray. So in case anybody's wondering, the the variation in heathers and marls sometimes makes it a little easier for your imperfect stitches to not be so visible. So that worked out really well. So, So that sweater is repaired and now like ready to wear back to the clinic again. And that's like my standard. If I'm really, if I'm willing to wear it in front of patients whom I want to trust me, then it's good enough. <laughs> so, so there's that. And then, um, I like your measure. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, the other one that I repaired invisibly because I felt like it was really important that the men to be invisible was a pair of old Navy pants where I had, um, broken the butt seam and I felt like visible mending right along your ass crack maybe wasn't Not good. the best <laughs> the best time for visible mending you know I think that visible mending is it is the backup because there's you know if you could make it perfect you would so I kind of appreciate that visible mending is a beautiful backup plan to your invisible mending well, yeah. I think for some things, the the visible mend looks awesome. And it actually makes the garment cooler than it was before you needed to have it mended. There's definitely a lot of examples oh, of that. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but I think you have to be lucky with the type of garment that it is and um, the place where the mend is required. Because there are certain places where doing visible mending like a butt seam is not good. it's not the best strategy no. <laughs> oh a friend of mine I, she was like Miranda I've been following all your patching repairs and stuff like that and she's like and I repaired my favorite pair of vintage like bell bottoms like flare bell bottoms she's like but maybe I should have rethought that red bandana where I did put it oh. <laughs> and I was like oh and I was like, you know what? I think anyone who sees it, if they want to judge, they're also going to realize, like, it's a bandana. Right. Like, come on. But yeah. she just laughed about it. She's like, I loved it. I was so excited that I was like, I should have rethought where I put that. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was so funny of her, but she's that also, like, funny. the coolest 
She's like the coolest girl with the best style. So like anything she does is a is a trend. Like It'll anything is it it's an instant trend. Like we'll we'll see this in a few weeks, in a few <laughs> months. We'll be like, oh my god, did you see what Aaron did? Yeah, red bandanas all around her crotch. Let's do it. <laughs> Period so. pants. Yeah. Period pants. Go for it. Um. Anyways, going on with your what about you're working on? Um. Let's see. So I'm still working on my um. My penny cardigan, I'm still weaving. Um, and I'm on the last sleeve and I'm partway done with that sleeve. So when that's all done, I'll be able to seam it together. Um, but I actually started, so I, at work, I have a whiteboard that I use for keeping track of you know the things that I need to get done because my memory is not gonna keep me there. And so what I've done is I've taken, I have a little whiteboard at home and I have it separated into my craft list because otherwise I'll forget like the things that I want to do so you see it there darn Miranda's shawl finished socks for me darn some mittens because of course in cleaning my house I realized that there were other projects that I had squirreled away in weird places I don't know why I put a pair of mittens that I needed to darn inside a drawer in my coffee table why what someone was coming over yeah that's what that is had to be that's what it is yes I got all my my things here to do's and then I have like overarching like sort of projects like uh making this office actually functional and then my work stuff down here you know what I cleaned off my whiteboard the other day and then a couple friends have drawn on it since you know prior to the pandemic and I just didn't want to erase it because I thought the message is really sweet but now I'm like you know what I need I need my goddamn whiteboard (laughs) <laughs> to like get my shit together because honestly I have so many projects to work on and I also have been thinking like I need to like there's a huge connection between the mind and body and when you write something down and acknowledge that this list exists that you wrote this list like as far as like a schedule I need to write it down I'm probably gonna do this after this call especially while well, after having a couple drinks I'm gonna be really ambitious like signing yeah. myself up for some dumb shit but I'm gonna do it anyway yeah <laughs> Well, I feel like for me, it's like outsourcing my brain um, because what I've noticed, again, especially over the last two weeks, because I've been in um, social, well, pretty much uh, shelter in place for the last two weeks. Like our state doesn't have a shelter in place order, but I've been functioning that way. I really wish I would just do that, though. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've discovered that because everything is in flux right? Everything keeps changing. Um, the grocery, I try to buy grocery stores from one grocery, groceries from one grocery store. And it turns out that that one can't do the pickup for like five days, but the other one down the street can do it in two days. And then the next time I try to order groceries, it's the opposite. And like it, there's no routine. Right. And so I find that when I am feeling, um, not even, I don't even notice that I'm feeling overwhelmed, but I will find myself having a really hard time making a decision or I will have a hard time, I'll, I'll have a free, you know, half hour or hour, and I will have no idea what the hell I should do with myself. Basically, I just walk in this room and I look at the whiteboard and I pick a thing. And it just makes it so that I I don't have to like come up with that list over and over in my brain anymore. It's like, oh, yeah. I have I have a reference point and my reference point is all full of stuff that I would love to have finished. And most of it is stuff that I would probably enjoy doing as well. So I can just look at the list and say, okay, well, there are 12 things on the list that I could do. 
the one that looks like fun to me right now is number seven. And so then I just go do number seven rather than like walking around my house being like, what am I going to do with myself? And then making myself like more anxious as I dither and can't make a decision. I'm trying to remind myself that um, if it takes less than five minutes to do it, you should do it. And so I I feel like I've heard this as if it takes less than three minutes, you should do it. If it takes less than five minutes, you should do it. But um, it's what's keeping my house clean. Mm -hmm. And that's been really good for me because I will get overwhelmed by my, by decision and by choice. I do get overwhelmed by what could I do that's better for me right now? What could I do that's smarter for me right now? What could I do that's like good self-care? Like I'm overwhelmed by the self-care options. And in reality, sometimes self-care is paying your bills on time and like doing your dishes. So like, I got to do that stuff. But it's, I just keep trying to remind myself like, well, you got three minutes, you can clean this bathroom. Like Mm -hmm. you can just spot clean this sanitizing stuff takes time. And I hate how it cuts into like my work time, my conference call time. So anytime I do have like a little break, I'm like, this is the time to do it. So I don't forget. Cause just like you're saying, um, or what you said earlier, I can't always remember when I did it. So I'd rather just like get back on top of it. And I'm in a duplex. I share, I share a common door with another couple. So like might as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. So but I'm with you. I love your whiteboard list. And I keep staring at my whiteboard because it has a cute message on there right now. But now I'm going to clean that off. So I had a moment recently where I had a sticker that um, somebody had given me that I loved. And I did, I was just like we were talking about stuck in this indecision about where to put the sticker. Because like if I put it on a computer, but then that computer crashes and I can't repair it, then the sticker's gone. And Pat was like, take a picture of it and then you can reprint the sticker anytime you want to. And I was like, Oh, I guess I can, can't I? (laughs) I never need to be without it again if I really don't want to. But yeah, I just, I find that, um, in moments of distress, I forget that I have options and I have now outsourced my options to a physical, tangible object that I can just reference, which has helped. I have to add this to uh, Pat's whole, like, put a sticker on it. It's fine. Also, if you love a sticker so much, apply it to a magnet, like those magnet pieces of paper. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, not paper, but, you know, it's like a it's magnet like a sheet. sheet. Yeah. yeah. If you bought, like, I finally just went out and bought it because I needed it. Because I was like, I love all these things. Like I had a key card from... Um, the Park Heights, Saigon in Vietnam in Ho Chi Minh mm-hmm. City. And I loved it. I accidentally brought it home. I, I actually like didn't mean to, but it's got a cool image on it. It's a local painter painted this like image of it that they put on all their key cards. So I was like, wait, I have this magnet stuff. And I just like made my magnets, including ones like stickers that people give me that I love or even patches, even the um, adhesive patches you can do as magnets mm-hmm. kind of changes the game once you're like, oh, I can keep this forever. I don't need to like apply it to something. Like, and then I'm afraid have that with... thing become very precious and I can never get rid of it. Exactly. Like I just need to be a little bit more flexible with the things I love. Yeah. Um, so I'm with you on the taking a photo and print that sticker out later if you need it. That's good. If you really care that much, if right? If you have to. Yeah. Well, and I think um, Pat's point is well taken that probably I don't and probably it will be fine, but you just have to get yourself to the point where you stop fretting about it. 
Well, can I also add, I realize this is not our works in progress, but there is something to be said about everything is heightened. Everything yeah. is heightened right now. So like my anxiety is heightened. My compassion is heightened. My empathy is heightened. My, all these things that like, all of a sudden I'm like, I got to feed the world. Oh my God, I got to give money to this. Oh my God, I have to, I can't touch them. So I'm going to give and do this. And like, everything is on fire. Everything feels intense. And so same with like holding on to personal things. Like I thought this would be a great time to Marie Kondo things. And it's I not. don't know. It's, <laughs> it's not. not. <laughs> I'm too emotional. Like I, and now because I'm in this panic planning mode, I'm like, but I really need these erasers. What if, <laughs> like, I, do you know what I mean? Like my logic is off. My logic is yeah, totally off right now. Absolutely. So absolutely. Anyways. I just, I feel like I have to be kinder to myself. All the things I had on my to-do list that I wanted to do at home, maybe don't apply again right now. Maybe, maybe not until we have normalcy. Yep. Yeah. I got I literally have to change my, my to-do list to something that is, yeah, like let's repair some clothes. Let's organize some things, but maybe I'm not going to clean out stuff that I thought I was going to, because I'm rationally not there. I'm just like physically can't get my brain to turn to that. No, I can't either. And normally that's something that soothes me like in non-crisis times it is very soothing to me to go into a closet and look at stuff and take a cold hard look at it and say like you did your job and now I can let you go and now is not that time yeah all the things all the especially like in the Marie Kondo world when you con Mari things she's like careful don't have too many lounge clothes and now I'm in this process of I don't have enough lounge clothes because I didn't want to follow this method of having too many. Because she was like, that's a that's the problem you get. You you go, oh, this is I can't wear this to work. I can't wear this out. I'll make it my lounge outfits. And now at this point, I'm like, well, I kind of need more lounge outfits. And I'm not obviously I'm not going to buy anymore. I'm fine just doing laundry. But it's just funny. Yeah, my logic is totally off on those things. The things that made me calm, like organizing and getting rid of things, not there. All like, I got to be real, real. And maybe this is too much for everybody. But coming from a really poor family, right now, panic and scarcity causes me to panic and and hold things. So, like, it's going to be a minute until I realize that I'm going to be okay. It's going to be a minute before I realize my neighbors are going to be okay or that my friends are going to be okay because I'm just naturally like, panic, hold everything. Yep. So anyway, and that's okay. Get through it. That's okay. We will, we will all get through it, but it is, you just have to change your idea about, like you said, what it is you're going to accomplish. So in the, in the hunt for ways to take good care of yourself, it'll be different now than it was six months ago and different now than it will be six months from now. And that's fine. I love that. I realize there's other things you got to talk about new projects. No, I have not. uh, No, at this point I am really sort of pulling other things together. I have not, uh, the, the one thing that I really thought I was going to get into was, um, making masks. And mm. part of the issue with making masks is that, uh, this is going to sound like a really stupid issue, but it's kind of a gold star, you know, so it'll be a good segue into gold stars. 
yeah. is that uh, anybody who looks at our Instagram would see that uh, I had bought fabric for making masks. And indeed, one of my local hospitals posted a mask pattern uh, that they were asking people to make. And so that was on our Instagram stories. And um, the masks, just so everybody is very clear, I wanna be very, very clear about this. The masks that you can make at home from fabric are not respirators, they are not surgical masks. They are cotton masks and they are compared to everything else the least good protection that you can get. So you should not wear one of these cotton masks and then stop social distancing because now you've got a mask on so you can be closer than six feet to somebody else. That is not true. If you are wearing a cotton mask, it is to protect potentially other people from getting something you have because it will catch some droplets. Um, and if you are a medical professional, the fabric mask is actually to put over the top of your uh, your real mask, your real surgical mask or your N95 respirator so that you can wear those things for longer because the N95 respirator is supposed to be for this type of situation, single use. But we all know that we do not have enough for that. And so the fabric mask over the top provides an extra layer of protection so that when hospital staff have to wear those masks for longer than is appropriate, they have a little more protection. They can take that fabric mask off, put another fabric mask over the top of it, and the whole time they're extending the length of the protection they have underneath it. Um, there are also some instances where hospitals have provided filters that they then insert into the fabric mask to make it a, a surgical mask. It's a long way of saying, don't make a bunch of fabric masks thinking they're the same thing as surgical masks because they aren't. However, no. many yeah. institutions asked for them. So I went, bought some fabric, um, printed out my pattern, washed my fabric, ironed it all. I was ready to go. And then I took a quick peek at the website for that hospital again, and all of the information was gone. And I was like, oh no, did they decide oh, no. they don't wanna do this anymore? Oh no, did I tell people to do something bad? Nope, that wasn't it at all. The response from hand sewers and home sewers was so extreme that they fulfilled their needs within like 36 hours. Wow. Within almost no time, I want to say like within 48 hours, they had to take all the information down because they already had their needs met. Amazing. Which is amazing. Gold star to all of the home sewists and people who were working to make this happen because holy shit did that happen in a hurry. Like so wow. fast that by the time I had purchased washed and ironed fabric, I was too late, which is fine, right? Yeah. That fabric can be used for plenty of other things. I will still make masks, but I will not make that pattern because um, I think one of the things that we mentioned on our podcast or maybe on the Instagram stories is that if you are making masks for your community, your community, wherever they are, have probably posted what type of mask they want. 
Yeah. So they will, they'll want, they'll have a certain pattern that they want because it will fit over the equipment that they already have. So, um, right now what I'm doing is looking to see, uh, nationally, which, um, are the most widely usable fabric ones. And then I will make those instead. But like I said, it was just mind boggling. Like I, <laughs> I turned my head and they didn't need me anymore, which is an excellent well, problem to have. It is. I love that there's, that that's the turnout. I just love that everyone was so hungry to help. That's wonderful. Yep. I'm curious if the next wave will be kind of something I sent you today, which mm -hmm. is headbands with buttons on them. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. Oh, for people I, to save the backs of their ears because of those yeah. elastic straps. Yeah. So yeah, potentially. Uh, yeah, I'm talk, wondering can you if talk about that? Because I don't, I don't know if everybody listening has heard of this. So a lot of people, when they are at work in the medical profession, wear headbands um, or bandanas or other things to, like, just keep their hair back. It's not a PPE thing. It's just a preference of, like, keeping your hair back. Well, um, it also prevents you from touching your face. Because if your hair doesn't fall on your face, then you don't touch your face trying to get your hair out of it. Right. So it's a, it's a good preventative measure, but it's not like, it's your choice in some ways. Um, but what I thought was interesting is that people who are wearing headbands at work are now sewing buttons um, right above their ears. And they're sewing the buttons there so they, they could then attach the rubber bands to those buttons to save their ears because their ears are getting a lot, especially because like if you're taking things on and off, that's a lot of abrasion on your ear, but also just the pull and the tear that happens with masks on your ears um, over time is, is real. Like eventually your ears will get comfortable with it, but for that first couple weeks, that's fucking hurtful. It's Same uncomfortable, like, yeah. I mean, and we're all seeing people wearing protective, um, the PPE, like the full coverage out of Italy and full coverage out of China. They're, they have bruises on their faces because the seals are so real. We're, mm -hmm. we'll see that here. We're going to see that in the U.S. too. So I kind of am interested if the headband with buttons might be the next big thing that we should try to make for people so that they can save their ears. Cause you know what? Yeah. You don't want any wounds on your face. You don't want, and also I just want people to be comfortable. I don't want anything to get in the way of someone doing their job. And I think Definitely. this also goes for like people who are wearing masks on a civilian level, as far as like working at a um, grocery store or other kind of essential place, they would probably need those too. So just an idea. I might try to work on that one myself. Yeah, I like it. And plus, in the end, like, those headbands, regardless of whether or not a person is using them for PPE or not, they're still functional. You know, everything about it is functional. Yeah. So I might turn my efforts towards that. We'll see. Yeah. I also cool. just need to be kind to myself about, like, what can I accomplish in a day? And yep. also, like, I don't want to put anyone in risk in order to get me materials. <laughs> well, and like, yeah. Things, you know? I, and you and I, I think have talked about this before that, um, this is very much like all the other safety talks you've ever heard on an airplane. Like you have to secure your own oxygen supply before you help anybody else with theirs. Like you cannot, you cannot expect yourself to function well if you are not taking care of yourself and your own needs. And if there's one thing we don't need right now, it's people who feel burnt out. It, we can't afford for people to drive themselves into burnout now, if there's any way to avoid it. 
So agreed. Good work. Well, did you want to finish your gold stars? Yeah, I will. I will. So this, I'm going to follow up now with my real, the, the one I intended to give when I've been planning. So this was something that um, my friends told me about. So a bunch of my friends uh, from college and I have an Instagram chat that we share and somebody shared um, Christina Tosi's uh, Instagram. So Christina Tosi, if you're not familiar with her, is the woman who runs Milk Bar in New York. And Milk Bar was, is um, part of David Chang's Momofuku restaurant uh, world know, empire. empire. <laughs> like, it's yeah. hard not to call it an empire, even though it's not like numerically huge it is conceptually huge like influencing absolutely it's so influential it's delicious it's just mwah. and so um christina tosi was originally the head of um bakery and desserts i think at one of the momofuku restaurants and then he just was like you're so amazing we should just have a dessert place only and the dessert place is milk bar and Milk Bar um, has a cookbook, which is a strong recommend for me. I love the Milk Bar cookbook. Um, so Christina Tosi now, um, I don't know how long she, she's been doing it, I think for a week, but she's doing um, IGTV stories called Baking Club. And every day at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central, she will show you how to bake something. And she'll, the way that she teases it is that on her Instagram, she'll have a series of pictures showing you what you need to gather, because it's going to be a surprise, like what you're going to bake is going to be a surprise. And then at, you know, my time is 1 p.m. Eastern or 1 p.m. Central, uh, you tune in and you watch Christina Tosi show you how to make something. And the one that was yesterday, which was the first one I saw, was called um, the game. She called it a game. And it was the game, the game was called, Can You Dip It? And so she just <laughs> yes, saying can. things like, can you dip it? Can I dip it? Yes, you can. Yes, or you can. <laughs> when I dip, you dip, we dip. And it was just this adorable <laughs> series where she showed you, she was like, just gather stuff from your kitchen. Like if you have any type of meltable chocolate chip product, any type of chippy product, like you can make that into a dip, any of the fruit snackums, whatever that you have lying around your house, that can be dipped in something and then you can roll it in this other thing to make like a little baked treat, like an, un, an unbaked treat, basically. Like you don't have to bake it, it's just for making like a, a sweet snack. Um, and her energy is just awesome and her creativity is really awesome and she really encourages you to be creative and she she makes it seem fun and not risky and not scary. Um, and she's very real talk about it. Like you get, you, you would think that like, oh, she's a restaurateur in New York City. Um, she uses really fancy ingredients and she's got a really high, you know, flavor sense. And she's like, no, I love nachos made from Doritos. It, they're so good. And like, I love cereal. Cereal is my life. Um, like she's just very uh, down to earth, very accessible. She makes everything she does very accessible, um, but it's also a little bit different from the things you've probably tried before. Um, and it's just, it was super fun. Like it was the best 30 minutes of television I've watched in months. Uh, I highly awesome. recommend. Yeah. So that's my gold star is like, it's, 
it's impossible to not smile at least like maybe you don't want to go off and bake the thing that she's showing because it's not your flavor profile but like it's impossible not to smile while she's like putting together all her fun things and yeah so christina tosi baking club on igtv you're on your instagram it's free that's the other thing totally free anybody with an internet connection can have access to it so that's my gold star what about I you love it well, um, my gold star is, I think that some of our followers are people that are friends with us and some of them aren't, but, um, I've been posting on Facebook, which I'm usually, I'm much more of an Instagram person than I am a Facebook person, but I noticed through another friend who was posting, um, a living room dance party being hosted by a guy named DJ Mel and DJ Mel is a DJ out of Austin and, I'm sure I've danced at a party of his possibly all the times I went to Austin for South by Southwest or something or just for work, but he is an incredible DJ. Super, super, super. um, How do I put the word? I'm trying to think. uh, I don't want to say popular, but like easy to access. Like he provides music. He's accessible. And he puts in lots of different mixes from like disco to um, Atlanta. Like I'm thinking of like Freaknik music from like back in the day. Like just he plays DJ Assault and Two Live Crew, but then also mixes it with like all of these modern ass songs and rock and roll. Like, and of course he played Islands in the Stream after Kenny, you know, Rogers passed last weekend. But anyways, I'm like impressed by his reach I'm impressed by his ability to like bring a lot of people together um but he's been doing living room dance parties for the last two weeks on Saturdays they're from 6 p.m central to 10 p.m central and he's he moved it up to an earlier time frame to make sure that parents and their kids get their dances out before bedtime because you know what he don't have kids but he knows y'all got kids and so (laughs) he's he's made it more pg but his his uh, live broadcast is incredible. And he also breaks in every hour, just like a DJ would at the club. And he even <laughs> says, he's like, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to say some stuff while y'all fill the room. Come on, let's fill the room. Like he's literally <laughs> like a DJ waiting for the room to fill up before he starts his like killer set before he drops the good shit. And he'll just like talk about his favorite um, charities that he's operating with that week. And because he's Austin based, he always has an Austin charity and then he'll have a national charity. And I'm just, I'm so impressed by him using this platform to not only get get people to dance and to also like get you know families who are all sequestered together to do something different something active yeah something active and something that just changes your brain like i'm looking forward to it. i've been so depressed today in the last two days i can't wait for his show to start in a bit because i'm gonna dance my face off i'm gonna sweat my ass off and it's there is something really special about listening to the radio right now there's something really special about tuning into all these igtv shows because it's not pre-recorded, there mm-hmm. is something really at our time of wanting. It's immediate, and it's at this time of like we don't get to interact with one another. So live is the closest part. It's the closest connection. And so like hearing his mix, hearing DJ's DJ Mel's mix, I'm just like, oh, I never anticipated that. That's not my playlist, or that's not the radio stations I've been listening to, or that's not what someone else told me about. Like it makes me so pumped to like hear that difference. Um, yeah. And when I and listened I think, to it last week, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop dancing. Like when it came on, I was just like, I had to dance. It was so good. It was, I, I'm blown away. Cause I, 
I love dancing and I love going out. And this one caught me. Like I was definitely gardening, like watering the plants, <laughs> like fucking losing my mind. And I was like, oh shit, he's brought back a Shante. Like I was like, I just wasn't ready for him to put in some 90s shit. He's clearly my age or, you know, island and I around age. it. Yeah. But he mixes so much good stuff that like, he, I was just, I was so impressed by his transitions and stuff. And you know what? I feel like there's a lot of people out there going like, what, what am I good at? What can I do right now? He fucking found it. He found a way to get people pumped. So I'm so excited that like, you know, you're watching IGTV learning how to cook and bake with somebody else. Like, cause there's a lot of people out there who are like, finally they're getting into the groove of cooking for themselves. They're getting in the groove of like learning new skills. Like they're mm-hmm. not afraid to take these chances. Cause you know, no one else knows that they didn't do it right. Yeah. <laughs> like, so like, I kind of love that everyone is going out there. I love the creativity that's happening in this pandemic. I know that lives are going to be lost. I know this is a serious, serious cons- uh, situation, but all things considered, I'm, I'm amazed at the creativity that people have brought out. I'm amazed at how flexible people have become. It's just, um, I'm, a, I'm thrilled with humanity. I've got so much faith in humanity right now. Yeah. So that's, DJ Mel's my gold star for making yeah. me dance, but I give a, a an honorary gold star to everybody for finding new ways to be entertained, new ways to learn things, new ways mm-hmm. to interact, new ways to reach out to each other. Yeah, absolutely. Lord knows, I I've been writing down the shows that I know are going live. Like, oh, this band's gonna broadcast from whatever, and this is gonna happen, and so and so is doing a Q and A. I'm I barely am watching TV because there's so many opportunities to watch live music or to like interact with cool people. I'm kind of not used to that. I've literally like, no, because it's, it's never been accessible that there was never a market for it. That was big enough for them to take that risk. And now there's a very obvious market and people are willing to take some risks and I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. So, um, so please like when we post this show, if you guys come back to our Instagram and tell us your favorite weekly things, Yes, I'm please. down. Tell me your favorite please. weekly shows. Like, holler at us. All right. Well, that's yeah. all I got. <laughs> that's that's all for us. So, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We hope that it was restorative and and peaceful for you. Um, and yeah, we would really love to hear what you are doing with your time and what stuff you're discovering that is bringing you closer to others. And don't worry, we are all watching Tiger King. Just didn't bring it up today. <laughs> That's a conversation for another time. It's another time, maybe a special thing. But um, yeah. I feel like enough people are talking about it. We don't need to talk about it. I agree. I agree. Don't just don't worry. It's not like we've forgotten. We don't know that it's happening. Yeah, we're not that under a rock being crafty. <laughs> all right, thank all right, you guys well, so much for listening. Um, We're on Instagram as Stitchcraft Sisters, so please look for us there. Um, And we'll be posting this episode soon. Take care, and we hope to catch you next time. Take care. Bye. Bye.